0: the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing,
1: this is World of Wonders' WOW Report, things that make us go wow. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the WOW Report on Radio Andy. We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. Wow! Uh, <laughs> wow! Uh, yep, we're still in quarantine. Uh, Blake tells me this is our first show of the six month of uh lockdown has it um, really yeah oh, we're no, starting no.
0: the sixth
2: month of lockdown if you count count march
1: well right.
0: we, we count the middle of march
1: yeah yeah we're pretty much in the middle of august james so uh that that is james st james uh editor of the wire report i love the glasses you're wearing today james
0: uh, they're very tina belcher very bob's burgers
1: what is bob's burgers you don't watch
0: Bob's Burgers, but they will have to be number three or the number one. There's no way that I show on television.
1: Okay. And Jane St. James is joined by Blake Jacobs. I... Tom Campbell is on a mystery assignment. I wonder if you can guess what it is.
0: Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Right. He, do, he does lead an adventurous life, doesn't he?
1: He certainly does. He just disappears every now and then.
0: He's got to earn those Emmys for you.
1: <laughs> 13 nominations james and i'm not boasting oh
0: good god in heaven mm. what would that what would what, what the total be what is your what does your dresser look like
1: <laughs> well i have two at home but i think the the show's won 12 so far i believe <laughs> oh, but, i, thought, oh, they they I thought they won two years in a row No, no, there's 50 nominations and 12 wins. 50
0: nominations? Good God in heaven. I will never look my nose up at Tom again. He (laughs) certainly is uh, a miracle worker.
1: Exactly. All right, so let's start with the countdown. Uh, Number 10, Blake. Number 10. You actually posted it on your Facebook.
2: It's this article from Forbes about places where you can move or buy citizenship so you can get out of the US. Did you know that um, so many people were looking into moving to Canada after the 2016 election that Canada's immigration website crashed? Makes Um, sense, definitely. And then Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson just became honorary Greek citizens. Nice coronavirus is restricting travel for you all of the US i'm sure many other places too so it's kind of no surprise that people are looking at this
0: now well, i do i know that that we we aren't allowed to go anywhere except for turkey the maldives and mexico i believe are the three places that americans are allowed right now i don't i know it's like three places or something and the weird part is
2: in all my 38 years i just got a passport Really, like the week that that like meme came out about the, the places, oh,
0: the places you can't go. Uh, I got basically, basically, the passport department saw that you applied and immediately <laughs> shut down all, <laughs> of, all of America,
1: Just probably
0: going anywhere.
1: I was um, looking at this list and it does seem interesting because the Caribbean, you can buy citizenship at St. Kitts or St. Nevis or uh, Santa Lucia or, um, not Santa Lucia, yeah, Santa Lucia, uh-huh. or Dominica, all in the Caribbean. James, 250000 Really? That's it? Yeah. For you and a family of, uh, up to a family of four.
0: Well, I'll start adopting and we'll go to the Dominican Republic. I lo- I have had some cute Dominican boyfriends. I'll tell you what.
1: I, I, I believe you, James. But is the tiny Caribbean island of Dominica the same as the Dominican oh, Republic? Probably I, not. I, th- I think you'd arrive there and be very disappointed. <laughs> you'd be like, where are all the big dick boys? <laughs> well,
2: actually, Dominica does look like the best. It says it's considered to be one of the best countries for citizenship by uh, investment because your citizenship is extended to your spouse, dependent children and dependent parents or grandparents
1: Yay. and it can
0: also be passed on to future generations. Wow, that is a deal. That's a that's a that's a good deal for 250,000.
1: Right. Now New, New Zealand, I thought New Zealand looked kind of good, right? Lord of the Rings and, you know, beautiful,
0: beautiful, beautiful, you know, yeah, scenery, gorgeous, mountains, everything. Well, well for that, too, it's like two million dollars over a four four year period. OK, OK. Well, if, if I just get that raise this year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the other thing you might want to consider is Peter Thiel lives there. The yeah. uh, mm, the guy who killed what was the website he killed? I was, yeah, yeah. yeah so he
0: right. was, he's he's the the Republican gay, the horrible guy who was upset about something they wrote about him, so he had it shut down. He spent like a billion dollars to get it shut down.
1: He's like the modern um, Roger Cullen, right? Yeah. Sort of.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know, someone who owns a bed and breakfast in New Zealand is um, a, a trans goddess, Robbie Martin, who is a longtime downtown person who moved out to New Zealand and, and opened up a gorgeous little bed and breakfast. So if you're in New Auckland, I believe, or Christ, Christ, Christtown, Christ, Christchurch,
1: it what? does sound amazing. It does, yeah. it's, It does sound like really unspoiled too. Yeah, well,
2: I just feel like the Caribbean would be the best because it's pretty close to here. So if you do still have family here,
0: I mean, and you get hit by hurricanes more than New Zealand.
2: Well, I mean, we get earthquakes, so. It's true we just had that one. And the thing is in St. Lucia, it says that since 2015 about 700 people have done this and you it's 250,000 for an individual, but 300,000 for a family of four. So couldn't we just like
1: all get together?
0: Right, and split it.
1: Right. The way report you are I'm my sisters. You're sister. sister. you both my
0: sisters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We oh, that's Vanatu sounds good. That's in the South Pacific. You know, Bali, High. Oh, um, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's uh, 100 180,000 for a family of four. No, that's okay. a bargain.
2: Completely doable. Well, I'll post the link to that on the Wow Report this week.
1: Yeah, especially uh, if we should leave it up all the way through the election, right? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right, James, what do you got number nine? Number nine.
0: I am obsessed with Umbrella Academy. Season two is up now. Um, it's streaming on Netflix. And I don't know, we've talked about this show before. I want to sort of give you a brief recap of season one because um, uh, I, I, you really need to know what's going on. Um, it, in 1989, on October 1st, 1989, 43 women around the world spontaneously gave birth they weren't pregnant 10 minutes before and all of a sudden they just blew up and gave birth to children and nobody knows why, whether it was magic or the government or aliens or whatever, but eccentric billionaire Reginald Hargrove went around and adopted. So tried to adopt as many of the children as he could. And he adopted seven of them and each of the children has different superpowers and he didn't name them. It's just number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, and number seven. And, One of them is a time traveler, one of them can talk to the dead, one of them is dead and is a ghost, one of them has superpowers, uh, super strength, and he's got the body of a gorilla in the face of an angel. And um, then there's number seven, who doesn't have any powers at all. And she's played by um, Ellen Page. Ellen, 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 what's her name? Um, Yeah, Ellen Page. Um, And she doesn't have any superpowers and they're really mean to her when they're growing up. They're like, you know, you're always in the way, get out of the way, go, you know, you're you're in the, stop this, you know, we we don't want to have anything to do with you. And so she grows up to be sort of sullen and, and sad. And she's just sort of a sad sack little character. Well, it turns out in the end of season one that she does have powers and she is probably the most powerful woman Mm -hmm. in the universe. And that Reginald Hargrove, her father had been giving her drugs to dampen her powers because he was so worried about, you know, what would happen if she discovered that she was as powerful as she was. So, Reginald Hargrove is dead as this series starts, and the kids are the, who are adults all come back together now to try and solve the mystery of how he died, and also the time traveler comes back and says the apocalypse is going to happen in 10 days, and you need to stop it. So that's the setup for season one. Well, at the end of season one, we realized that number seven is actually the cause of the apocalypse. And she has these powers that she destroys the moon and then the, the earth has earthquakes and everybody dies. And so just as she's, the earth is, is exploding, The guy, the time traveler, grabs all of them and throws them back in time so that they don't (laughs) die with the rest of the planet. And so then season two is they're all in 1963, and they're all trying to, like, get together, find each other so that they can then try and stop the apocalypse from happening all over again. And so that's where we are with season number two. And it's just the boys are so hot in this. Well, question – I saw that Kate Walsh
2: from Grey's Anatomy. Oh, she I, is! my yes. roommate Stephen was watching this, and I noticed online today, and when I saw that she has really
0: cool outfits. Right, the whole the fashion in this is absolutely fict- spectacular. the 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 locations are brilliant. Every one of the actors is so good; you love them all so much. Kate Walsh is sort of a time mistress who is um uh, sort of in charge of the time. A continuum and she is sort of a bad guy who's trying to hunt down the time traveler and stop him from stopping the end of the world
1: I have a question if if the set number seven has these superpowers yes. and is the author of the apocalypse does that make number seven? A good, a good or a bad person.
0: Well, she, 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 you love her because everyone is so mean to her throughout her whole life, and she's sort of an underdog character. And then all of a sudden, she um, she discovers she has these powers, and the powers sort of overtake her, and she can't control them. And that's why she brings about the end of the world. She doesn't mean to, but she just destroys the, the moon, and once the moon is gone, everything falls to shit.
1: Oh, I know the feeling.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it is. Like I said, the guy with the body of the gorilla is really good. Number two is this uh, just sexy, sexy Spanish guy who's really good with knives. The time traveler is really funny because he, um, was, he was thrown into the future and for 50 years he was stuck in the future and then when he comes back, he, he's back in his 14 year old body but he's like a 70 year old man in a 14 year old's body and he's really funny and good. They're all just really spectacular. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right? Now, I always this- feel that way. I'm isn't, a 70-year-old man in a 14-year-old's body. Isn't this um the site the one that was written by Gerard Way from Yes, my like chemical romance? Rock. He gave up being a rock star to write comic books, and this is one of this was his first uh
1: big gig. Okay, so I number eight. Number eight. You know, I've been watching the pylon of of Ellen with some discomfort because um because Years ago, we made a, a documentary about her, the real Ellen story, about when she came out and um,
0: her relationship. She came out with on,
1: Anne, with Anne, with Anne Hesh, and and uh, and you know, that that was such a traumatic time, and it was such a frankly brave thing that she did, and it you know helped deconstruct Hollywood's closet and start the um, erosion, I suppose, of homophobia in America. I think it was a, I think it was a giant step. And so seeing her being, her show being canceled, not literally canceled, being, being attacked and her being attacked with such sort of vicious, I just, it's just been a, an ugly feeling, sort of standing on and watching that. And, and then, so I was excited when I saw Anna Carey's article in The Advocate, which is like, she just lets off on one because she was asked to write a piece about it. And instead of piling on, she says, you know, you seriously can't get mad at her for not being nice as nice in real life as she pretends to be, you're not as nice in real life as you pretend to be. And she sort of goes on from there. And uh, yeah, I know I could see James. I'm, I mean, I brought this up for James because I sort of knew it would be a trigger for James because you know you're, you're also loving the um, the crucifixion of Anna Wintour at this moment. And I just, I, I look. Here's what I did. I posted the article for the Advocate and just said that I felt that to me the issue is one of. of priorities and proportion, and that absolutely, if there is a toxic workplace environment, investigate it and fix it. Absolutely. But the piling on and the viciousness and the hatred, that's what I was surprised about in comparison to real, serious life threats like, say, Donald Trump. And I merely I pointed out, of course, knowing that I was you know inviting the wrath of everybody on me, that there's, there's a sort of disconnect, like why we seem to be so exercised and eager and hate filled and, and animated by Ellen's toxic work environment and sort of indifferent to the mortally deadly plague, economic meltdown, racially big. I mean, the hideous, no, no, life threatening environment of Donald Trump. So that so one was, that was my is point.
0: directly the the reason for the other is because mm-hmm. we are completely powerless, it seems, to be able to do anything about Trump. But we aren't powerless to take down other people who who are, you know. And that's what that's what it is is that's what the Me Too movement is is that we all felt so it's the rage against what what's happening in society. But we were able to take down Harvey Weinstein, whereas we weren't able to take take down Donald Trump. And the thing about this is is I, I'm of two minds right here is. Because, number one, cancel culture. The thing about cancel culture is eventually it's going to come and cancel you. I mean, that's, that, that's just the inevitable is that every, everyone is, is fair game and everyone is going to be taken down sooner or later. And that's, that's the dangerous thing about this. But the other thing is about Ellen is that she has presented herself as Mrs. Nice Guy as the as she, she is the lovable, cuddly, a you know asexual lesbian who um his is is everybody's friend and is everybody is, is good guy Ellen. And for her to be this this nasty, horrible, you know um Anna Winterish woman you can't look at her when she passes you in the hallway, all of that goes against everything we know about her. And yes, she did something good great in the nineties, but just because you did something great in the nineties does not give you a pass to be a horrible person in the 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. You know?
1: I agree. I agree with that, James. But some of the some of the some of the hatred just seems so misplaced. Like, you know, when she was sat next to George W. Bush and defended him and saying I sat next to him. It seems like, yes, I know. I, on my Facebook page is all the comments. She tried to normalize a war criminal, a mass murderer. Yes. I agree. George H.W. Bush is a war criminal and a mass murderer. Let's deal with that. Why don't we go after him? He hasn't been president for God knows how long, but no one's done anything about it. Instead, let's attack Ellen because she sat next to him. To me, it's the incredible misplaced rage, which I think you're completely right, James. It is we are powerless. We are powerless to do anything about the things that matter, but incredibly weaponized to do things that maybe matter a little bit less critically when it comes to our survival as a nation and as a people, you know, I I, I
0: sort of feel like this is a great mm. cleansing of all Mm. the toxicity that is in our culture right now. And we need to, we need Mm. to, Purge everything that's been happening in the last 30 years that has built the place that allowed Donald Trump to become invulnerable, you know, and by taking out all of the toxicity, we can start over again as soon as he's gone, as soon as 2020 is over and we can get, you know, we can get back on track again, or it can go the other way and it it can just, we can devolve into, you know, Planet of the Apes or Walking Dead.
1: Well, that's right because I I I sort of feel I'm not sure that we're purging toxicity. I feel that it's It's an amplification of toxicity, and that we sort of it's like that rage virus in 28 days later, where you know anything that moves we just (laughs) and we're just all angry all the time. It
0: is true, but I think in the begin, I think the idea of purging all the toxicity is good i just don't know that that we're going about it in the right way or that we're going overboard or whatever but i I, but i do think that if ellen is as horrible as people say she is then i don't think that she if she if she says that i'm you know i'm a bitch and i am who i am like anna wintour then i maybe i would give her a pass but she doesn't she presents herself as something that she isn't and that's where people are angry about it and she treats the 1% differently than she treats her underlings. And that's the problem that most people have is the fact that she is so awful to her staff. Mm. Whereas when Katy Perry comes on or, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, she's absolutely all lovey-dovey. And that the 1%ers are the ones who are, who are standing by her while everyone else is saying, no, you don't get it. She's horrible. That's where people have a problem.
1: Yes. And, you know... I think a lot, a a certain, look, I mean, funnily enough, in this item, I didn't really want to necessarily be defending Ellen. And when I posted on Facebook, I wasn't defending Ellen. My point was only there's a disparity of response, that there are greater evils that seem to get no response and lesser evils that seem to get an enormous amount of response. And funnily enough, that was sort of borne out by the Facebook post itself, because I boast about Trump all the time, things that I think are incredibly important. And just, flagrantly criminal and corrupt and treasonous and sexual it's just it just endless and i get two maybe three comments you know this this piece got 76 comments and what was also interesting is about People completely missed the point that it's about proportionality and just thought piled on me as if I was defending oh. Alan, which I'm. Right. So I'm, not, I'm but you know, it is I mean, about people, and that, that's you're what trying to make
0: me. it into proportionality, and it really isn't. And that's where I can see people piling on.
1: It, well, say that again? I'm sorry.
0: I said I said you're trying to make it about proportionality, but it really isn't because she is somebody who's triggering to everybody right now because of the 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 way that like, like I've said that that it, she's defending I the I think and,
1: it would be great if people got triggered about the fact that they have a fascist in the White House who isn't gonna go in the coming election and do something about that. If you're so energetic and and able to do something, I am energetic about, on that. about getting Trump out. I we talk about it every single day. We That's do. how we, we talk do. about all right. We posted a link to the advocate article on the wow report and you can go paste more uh, insults and things on my Facebook I need to keep you like. talking about this. I'm not going to let it go. We've got to keep going. <laughs> we can keep going after the break. All oh, right. Uh, hey, watch the brand new season of Backyard Envy Tuesdays, 10 p.m. Right after Million Dollar Listings, Los Angeles at 9 p.m. on Bravo. That's a bit of a double bill. Um, Blake, you've got a question for us. I do. Um, a recent
2: YouGov art art uh, survey, found that how many Americans are interested in becoming expats if their candidate isn't elected in 2020? What's the percentage?
1: That's an interesting question. Listen to the WOW Report on Radio Andy, and we'll be right back after the break.
2: You're listening to World of Wonders' WOW Report. Things that
1: make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm World of Wonder co-founder, Fenton Bailey, joined by James St. James, editor of The Wow Report and literary sensation. And of course, Blake Jacobs, who's sitting in this week. Thank you, Blake for Tom Campbell. Um, hey, what was the question?
2: I asked, um, well, a recent YouGov survey found that how many percent of Americans are interested in becoming expats if their candidate isn't elected in 2020?
0: I'm gonna say is it's it's a low number. I'm gonna say like five percent, and and actually maybe like point five percent actually follow through.
1: I'm gonna go with fifteen percent.
0: It's actually thirty-one huh. percent. Wow.
2: I mean, they just say they're interested in it. Not yeah, I
1: mean, how many <laughs> follow through? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know anyone who left the country. Do you mm-hmm. from twenty sixteen? I can't... Madonna. She's right. already gone, I think.
0: Yeah. She's in Portugal, yeah.
1: Which was That's... also
2: on the list. Oh, really? Uh, you can buy uh, citizenship.
1: Yep. All right. We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow. Uh, number seven, like Number seven. Sentinels especially you,
2: how do you feel about schools starting back
1: up? Well, um, my kids go to private school and um, they are not going back on campus. The schools all switched to remote learning.
0: That's awesome. Now, if, if they, you, they were in a school that wanted them to go back, would you allow them back?
1: I don't think I would.
0: Right. Good for you.
1: Because you've seen the
0: pictures of
2: the crowded schools in Georgia, and you heard that the girl that posted those was suspended, right?
0: Saw oh, that, yes. They, I, there's the picture of the of the class changing, and it's just a sea of maskless faces, and it's just like hundreds and hundreds of kids packed together like sardines. And the girl got in trouble for posting the picture. On yeah, that. she got in trouble. I'm so glad. I mean,
2: whenever this started last year started at the end of the school year and they tried to work, have students work from home. And, and my mom, she, she's a teacher. And she said, it was just a joke, you know, the last nine weeks, which is a fourth of the school year, you didn't really do anything. Yeah. I figured, you know, at least we'd have something in in order by now.
1: But it looks but re- like remote learning, I think is really difficult to have a classroom of people learning stuff you you need to be at a point where you're like self-regulating and self-motivating and self-disciplining and you know hard. No, uh, I,
0: I mean just us working from home it's like the idea you know rolling over to the computer every day is like it's so much more difficult than if you're actually in an office situation you well, know and you you have to like
2: provide kids if you're going to do virtual learning with iPads or computers and national. what
0: about what about underprivileged children who don't have access to the internet or don't have iPads and, and all that? I what I don't understand though is why there isn't a national like computer like a uh, internet channel or a TV channel that has a, a controlled curriculum across the board, why it's up to each school to individually teach the
1: children. I think there needs to be a national uh James, that is an amazing idea. I mean but I think that the absence of national leadership in this entire pandemic is, is really the problem that Gary, we're highlighting. Yeah. And we're so busy complaining about Ellen that we're not really doing anything about getting rid of Trump. And he's complete, he's absolutely failed to do. And in, at this point, actually, I actually believe he wants people to die. I think, especially knowing that a disease like this does hit the the socioeconomic low. The, the bottom end of the socio-economic strata, but the irony much, much of that harder. is,
0: is the, the lower end of the socio-economic scale are the ones who are pro-Trump, and so he's actually, you know, killing his base by by you know allowing mm. the pandemic to to rage on. Well, my mom, luckily, like literally days before this really got
2: crazy in March, decided that she was going to retire this year, and then all this happened, and I'm just so thankful she's there. There's some teachers; she's in a Facebook group of you know, teachers in the South, and there are teachers that are sending their obituaries to their superintendents. Like, there are people that aren't going back that have taught for years and years. So I don't know what the answer is, but I don't think the answer is throw everyone back in buildings, right?
1: Right, right. It absolutely isn't. And I actually also think we overrate what education does anyway, that, you know, I don't think, it's not like America is a shining example of intellectual academic brilliance. So, you know, maybe it doesn't make much difference if we skip the education part for a year.
0: But, well, maybe, but also, is also, I mean, it's, it's the uneducated masses that are the ones that are causing all, the most trouble, and they're the ones who are the science deniers, and they're the ones who are, you know, anti-Dr. Fauci, and um, it's, mm. I, I think we need to have more respect for the educational system as opposed to less.
1: But maybe, maybe I think you're sort of. Maybe there's then a third way, which is a a national curriculum of remote learning. Mm -hmm. But somehow, you know, like Elliot, little Elliot, he's five years old. He gets on a Zoom classroom and he can't, you know, he can't focus. No, no, you you can't concentrate. Mm -hmm. Although, funnily enough. He can watch YouTube videos of uh, people dudes playing Minecraft all day, quite (laughs) happily. I don't know what's to make of that. All right, okay, well, that was a a cheery segment. Number seven is uh, School's Out. Um, What's number six? Number six.
0: You know, another thing that's triggering me right now, and it's sort of unexpected, um, because... Uh, you know, it was fashion week last week in, in uh, Milan and it's fashion week this week in Paris. And my, uh, Twitter feed has a lot of, um, uh, fashion news on it. And every time I, some, I scroll past something that says 10 fashion influencers tell the 10 must have purse trends for the fall. And I'm like, for fuck's sake. Does fashion really matter during a pandemic? I mean, the idea that there are these fashion influencers who are like obsessed with what Louis Vuitton did this season is just, it's maddening. We are in the middle of a pandemic. We have the Black Lives Matter protests. We have police brutality. We just had an explosion in Beirut. We have trans women being murdered at a higher rate than ever. We have Breonna Taylor's murderers still at large, still haven't been arrested. And these, these fashion influencers are what's taking up my Twitter feed. I think the idea of a social media influencer Is over. We don't need them. We don't want them. I think fashion is vulgar right now. I think it's a. a, It's just. It's it's so unnecessary, and it just makes my stomach turn to see these people in in, in, not social distancing at a fashion show, not wearing masks, and it's just. It's just. It's 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 awful. This Um, is kind of like remember in
2: two thousand five and stuff. They had like the celebrity life of Paris Hilton, where you know. And then the big crash happened, so no one wanted to see that. Right. Kind of like that.
0: Well, I was convinced that reality t- that after 9/11 no one would watch reality TV because reality was too too uh, upsetting. But I was wrong about that, so I might be wrong about this. but I just you know very rarely, that- rarely are. Well, I bought a, I bought a winter coat about uh, three months ago. And thinking that I would have a a fabulous little winter jacket. And I beat myself up over it every day because I'm not going anywhere. I look at it hanging in the closet and I think, why did I waste money on this? I don't care about looking fabulous right now. That's not where we, that's not where I am. And I don't know if maybe if I was twenty something, I maybe I would feel differently about it. But I don't know. What were you going to say, Penson? <laughs> well,
1: it's just yeah. I suppose fashion is performative, and you realize it. It requires an audience to really function. And if we're all at home, you know, I'm I'm not wearing any pants right now. It's like who who needs who you needs clothes? Or-
0: Too about like the the gays on Fire Island who are have, who are partying and the 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 after hours clubs in in New York and all that stuff where there are people who who don't seem to, who can't give it up. Or that
2: that party here in Hollywood with all the police officers.
0: Right. And and Logan Paul just had that big party. You know, I mean, Logan Paul, is that his name? Yeah. Or Jake Paul. Jake Paul, right. But it does feel, it, it just, it, it just feels that like maybe someday we'll be back to, to wanting parties and frivolous frocks and, and, you know, hanging out until four in the morning and everything like that. But now it, it doesn't feel like the time and it's triggering me. And, it's and by now. then your coat is going to be passe. <sighs> well, that's just it. it will, I will never get a chance to wear it. And when, it, when I finally can wear it, it'll be like so over that, like,
1: who cares? Well, it's interesting because clearly people are socializing and so... But to me, it just seems—it's it, not so much fear of the COVID, or maybe it is. I, but I just think, why? It just don't feel like it. It just seems so unappealing, you know. It's like, well, just you about as close to someone as I want to get right now. Well, you talk about
0: <laughs> how you aren't wearing any pants right now, and mm-hmm. I have—I've been wearing sweatpants for more than I've ever worn in my entire life. I tried putting on a pair of jeans the other day, and it felt like I was wearing burlap. It just it, like. <laughs> Like the idea of actually wearing jeans was like it was like too much for me,
1: and I have a feeling <laughs> everybody is going through that right now. Hmm. Well, maybe that means when we all get back together, we'll be in Moo's and diaphanous gowns. Oh, gown. please! Yeah. All right. Um, okay, so that's Fashion Week. Um, <laughs> what are we going to cancel next? Oh, okay. Here we go. Number five. Number five. Cameron Diaz's next act clean wine. Cameron Diaz and Catherine Power have come up with a wine brand called Aveline, which describes itself as offering clean wine that friends describe as full of natural goodness and free from dozens of unwanted and undisclosed extras. What a load of bullshit, right?
0: (laughs) What in the hell did you just say?
1: (laughs) Well, it's like the sort of Jessica Alba and Honest your honest cleaning products and, and, and all goop, you know, the whole idea, right, that, okay. the whole idea that, you know, what is, what is mass produced and out there is bad for us because it contains synthetic things. And what we need are bespoke artisanal clean things. And so, and hence the idea of clean wine, you know, because, you know, there are chemicals that are put in the wine during the process. And, but that's seen as very, very bad. But the, the joke about this whole thing is that they don't actually tell you where this wine, Aveline, even comes from on the website. If you look very closely on the label, you can see it comes from Spain. And probably what happens is the wine is organically grown somewhere and then from a bunch of farms and then shoved in a bottle. So it's probably not, it's probably not fundamentally that different from any other kind of wine. Um, you remember that that pink slime thing with McDonald's? You know, everyone grossed uh, out. Very, yeah, sure. Well, apparently the pink slime of wine is something called mega purple, which is a, a colouring thing that they add to red wine, and it's got some it's got some chemicals in it. But you know, hey, wine is a chemical. I mean, I love the idea of clean wine when fundamental to wine there is a really dangerous chemical in all wine.
0: Was well, a bit like saying, like, you know, clean cocaine or something. Like, I mean, like. Exactly.
1: What do you think the dangerous chemical in wine is?
0: Alcohol. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to make clean wine. What
0: also sounds a bit like, like, it's just a wine that was being made anyway. And Cameron Diaz sort of swooped in and put her name on it and yeah. said, you know,
1: which Well, is- there is a wine lake right now. There's a wine lake in California. There's a wine lake in Europe. There's more wine than we know what to do with. So, probably. You know, Cameron Diaz is onto a thing of buying up a wine lake on the super cheap and just sticking it in bottles and calling it clean wine. So that's, you know. So we've canceled Cameron Diaz. All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, wait, who wasn't one of the real housewives of New York? Didn't she have the skinny wine or skinny girl yeah, wine? The
1: skinny, mar, skinny girl margaritas.
0: But and that, what the hell is that? There's no such thing as skinny girl wine well, or skinny girl but margaritas. She, but she, I think, is a billion dollars off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we all need to do. put our names on something quick. And she's using her money to do good.
2: You know, she always sends like private planes out whenever there's hurricanes and earthquakes. And-
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can borrow my jet stream to, to evacuate. No. <laughs> she it All together, I'll put a link on the Wow Report.
1: That's very nice. That's like maybe she could send the jet for us to take us to our <laughs> new adopted com- uh, country in the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll take a break um we post a link to the article on the report. but uh meanwhile i just want to say uh new episodes of canada's drag race yes on craving canada bbc3 in the uk uh, most importantly i have to say wow presents plus everywhere else in the world on thursdays and and coming soon i think logo tv on mondays and then of course there's jeffrey bauer chapman's uh recap on fridays so it's an orgy. People are loving Canada's Drag Race. It
0: has a a wacky vibe to it, doesn't it? The best read I've ever
2: heard. She was talking to this one promiscuous queen, and she says, girl, you're always talking about who you're having sex with. The only thing you're fucking is stupid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So good. Uh (laughs) The Snatch game this week was so good. I haven't seen this in this week's episode, so I'm excited. Everyone on Twitter was going nuts for the Snatch Game, saying it was the best they've ever done. Oh,
1: and Celine Dion was so taken by it, she posted a thing on Instagram, congratulating all the girls. Fabulous. Celine. All right. Um,
2: When season two premieres. Right.
1: We're, you know, waiting for, pick up, fingers crossed, any day. Uh Uh, let's, um, Let's take a break. Do you have a question, Blake? I do. Um,
2: it's this Oscar-winning actress's birthday. She auditioned for the role of Naomi Malone in Showgirls and also, on a darker note, when she was 15, her father attacked her mother and oh, her right. mother shot
0: him. Yes, I, I remember that. Who is she?
1: All right, we'll have the answer for you right after the break.
0: You're listening to World of
1: Wonders WOW Report that makes us go wow and welcome back to the wow report i'm fenton here with james and james darling and standing in for tom campbell blake hi and what was what was the question
2: um it's this actress's birthday she auditioned for the role of nomi malone in showgirls she didn't get it um and also when she was 15 her mother shot her father in self-defense and he passed away who is she
0: well, you know, it's interesting. I didn't realize that she was this old. Well, I, you'll have to tell me what her actual age is because uh, I know who it is. Forty-five. That's it. And she she was still young enough to to get no or to audition for Nomi Malone. Yeah, she must have been like twenty or ten or something.
1: Mm-hmm. Then do you know? I have no idea. It's
0: Charlize Theron? That's right. Yes, I remember mm. she she grew South up in South Africa. Africa. And her mother shot her father and killed her father, yeah.
1: That's terrible. Were, were, the, were her mother and father um, Hollywood types?
0: No. no, I believe, no but I believe he was abusive, and, and that's where it all sort of stemmed from. Oh. She grew up in
2: South Africa, and I think they were both South African as well.
0: Yeah.
1: She's so beautiful. Sort yeah. of has that lovely, cool, I was going to say cold, which sounds unkind, but, you know, just I, I love that. Severity. She yeah.
0: She's so good in action movies lately. She just kicks ass. She's just like, she's, she's the best. She's like the new Sigourney Weaver.
1: Well, you're right. The thing about it, if you're in an action movie, you basically just have to be steely. If you're playing that role, you you don't really have to, emote. in fact, the, the more you emote, the worse it is. Right. We've just been watching the Daniel Craig uh, Bond movies and it's just like clenched jaw, piercing blue eyes and you're done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>
1: All right, let's keep carry on with the countdown. We've reached number four.
0: Number four.
2: New show on Netflix. It's based on, a, it's the Babysitter's Club. Have any Has anyone watched this?
0: Well, I remember the old Babysitter's Club in the, was it in the 90s or the was it the? There were two former, there was a 1990
2: show on HBO and Nickelodeon that was released to VHS. And then there was a 1995 film.
0: Right, like right, and it's based term. on the famous 1970s and 80s series of books for for young adults or or very young adults, actually. Right, um, and, and this is something that you've been obsessed with your whole life. And this, you're a pig in in mud right now. Well, yes. When I was young, we used to have the it where you
2: would. Read, and you could get free pizzas from Pizza Hut from reading (laughs) books. And I love to read. I used to read the Boxcar Children all the time, but I love the Babysitter's Club as well. But I kind of hit it because, you know, I'm a boy. I was
1: going to say, you're so
2: gay, Blake. Oh, my God. You're the gayest boy I've ever met.
1: What uh, happens in it? I've never heard of it.
2: Oh, my God. It's so good. So it's about um, a group of girls who are like 12, 13, and they form a Babysitter's Club. Um, this is from Variety. For a certain subset of 90s girls, Are You a Christie or a Claudia was the original and completely G-rated version of Are You a Carrie or a Samantha. As each book of Anne M. Martin's Babysitter's Club series focused on a different member of the club, from determined President Christie to artsy VP Claudia to shy Marianne, it let readers take a peek into a tween life that could perhaps reflect their own.
0: But didn't they also solve mysteries like the Hardy Boys and Nancy know. I mean, there may have been a spin-off series, you know, the
2: Babysitters Club Mysteries or something, but no, it was so the best the thing that really drew me in also is Alicia Silverstone plays the mom of Christy, who is the president. And there's like a few clueless references. Um she says, My mom might have weird taste in men, but when it came to life, I guess she wasn't totally clueless. Ha! <laughs> and um,
0: are the girls fabulous are they do they dress fabulous and you want to dress like them and you want to be them and they are i used to want to be a stacy
2: she was the boy crazy new student from new york and she happened to have diabetes <laughs> now after watching the show i totally want to be claudia who is the Amer- japanese american um she's crazy about fashion and
0: she loves like eating sweets she is amazing. <laughs> it's just really good. You, you, you should watch. I, it. it sounds right up my alley. I think I'll do it.
1: <laughs> Thirty
0: minutes each, easy.
1: Do you think you know? There's a there's a risk that there's actually going to be a content famine. That like we're going to reach the end of bingeable TV. That there's going to be going to run out of stuff to watch because they are still burning up what they shot before the pandemic. You know. Yeah.
0: Well, You know, I mean, a lot of um, uh, the soap operas are all back in production again, and they're all airing their new stuff. And it's interesting to see what soap operas are like in, you know, fall of 2020, where they all get together for lunch, but they all are seating six feet apart. And nobody acknowledges that, but they sort of like shoot it so that it's like, you know, like you don't really notice, but you know. It's very I funny. Mean, there, there are no sex scenes, there are no fight scenes. Everybody is just seated at a table six feet from from one another. <laughs> or at opposite ends of the couch or whatever, you know.
1: <laughs> just talking at each other. <laughs> yeah. So That's the future of entertainment from now yes. on. Right. This is it. This is it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go into number three. Um, what's this, James? Number three. Bugs
0: Bunny in drag stamps have just been issued. The U.S. What? Post Office is celebrating Bugs Bunny's 80th year, uh, his 80th birthday, and they've issued a, a series of stamps in which Bugs Bunny is dressed in different costumes and disguises. And among those are two episodes, the the opera episode where he dresses up as a Wagnerian, you know, with the horns and the braids, and he's like, a, a you know, with the, with the breastplates, and then there's another one where he's a mermaid and he's like a 1940s mermaid with a giant, you know, uh, hairdo, blonde hairdo. And it's the first time that the post office has ever had a drag theme stamp. So it's sort of notable for that. The American post office, I think in the UK or Australia, they have a Dame Edna series but this is the first time so it's sort of notable notable for that but it's also important because we know that donald trump is trying to take down the post office and he's trying to discredit it and he's trying to defund it so that he it will help him win the election and so this is a way to support the u.s post office buy some stamps it's it's a it's a good thing that they're doing this um and it's that the stamps are just really fabulous and i love bugs bunny and i I don't think this generation is growing up with Bugs Bunny in the way that they aren't growing up with I Love Lucy or, you know, Bewitched or Gilligan's Islands or any of the shows that Mm. that generations of people grew up with. And so I I think it's important to keep Bugs Bunny
1: in the um, public eye. Because Bugs Bunny is from Looney Tunes uh, uh, and Looney Tunes, is warners right not disney yeah
0: i know in the 90s and 2000s there was animaniacs and pinky in the brain and everything but and um and then there are the baby bugs bunnies you know the where they're they're, tiny tunes yeah I i
2: always made the distinction of disney world or six flags
0: uh, but it's just i you know bugs bunny is is a classic and i, I wish more kids watched it i know you know that trey spiegel my co-editor on the wow report did a piece about um bugs bunny being an lgbtq icon and saying that more kids grew up to be gay because of bugs bunny kissing elmer fudd all the time and you know yosemite sam and dressing up in drag and um uh
1: And And eating that carrot, sort of.
0: Yes, and that um, more people became furries because of uh, Bugs Bunny as well, which is sort of interesting. I knew that I was gay when I fell in love with Fred from um, Scooby-Doo and wanted to be Velma, or wanted to be Daphne. I wanted to dress like Daphne. So there's, I just, there's always, you know, kids fall in love with with cartoon characters all the time. I fell in love with Speed Racer too and Haji from Johnny Quest. Did you fall in love with anyone, um, Blake? Um,
2: not really cartoony, but definitely, like, Al from uh, Home Improvement is pretty hot. What? He was. Oh, and uh, Dan on Roseanne, he was pretty hot well, when he
0: was younger. Listen, you are in a whole different uh, area right now. This is, <laughs> anyway,
1: Bugs Bunny stamp, go buy it. Go buy it, write a letter, yep. <laughs> All right, number two. Number two. Hey, I've got good news. Finally, some good news. Um, so, you know, the airline industry has crashed in the wake of COVID, right? It hasn't, hasn't been very good for them. So the airlines are trying to lure you back onto a plane. And Emirates, which, you know, used to fly the most lavish planes. Oh, separate suites. and You would yeah, get your own shower. And that fabulous ad with Jennifer Aniston, you know, asking them to just keep flying around one more time before like Anyway, anyway, Emirates are now offering an insurance plan for travellers that stipulates if one of them, if you fly Emirates and you're diagnosed with COVID during the journey, they will cover your medical expenses up to $176,000. They'll also pay uh, $118 for quarantine costs, like, you know, for a two-week quarantine. And... Uh, if the worst happens and you die, um, they'll pay $1,765 for the passenger's funeral. Well,
0: so, isn't that sweet? Isn't that
2: nice? Have you what, ever right? flown Emirates before? And I I, also, I read that the ticket is the contract, right? That's to...
1: right. You don't even have to ask for it. You just buy a ticket on Emirates and you're good to go. <laughs> um, well, wait, no. Did you, did you say that you have flown Emirates before? I never have. No, no, I never have. I'd love to. Um, yeah, I, 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 suppose when I, I don't know how long this offer will be, but if should I feel my de- demise coming on, I'll just take the plane.
0: That's take the plane it, to the yeah, grave. Yes. The minute you get diagnosed with COVID, go get a plane ticket.
1: Yeah, and just fly off. And anyone who, yes, I suppose that wouldn't be so nice to the other people on the yeah, plane. Yeah, do that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I no. take, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Okay, we're going to take a break, but I just want to say you can get your Person, Man, Woman, November, Vote t-shirt. It's a t-shirt for sale uh, in WoW's online store. Uh, and The reason I'm plugging it is 100% of the proceeds are going to go to the National Coalition on Black Civil Participation. Um, Shop now at store.worldofwonder.net. And we'll be right back after the break to reveal the number one thing that made us go wow this week you're listening to world of wonders wow report things that make us go wow welcome back to the wow report i'm fenton here with james St. james and blake and we've reached the number one thing number one and it's kind of crazy um but you know every now and then in this meme world you get something that shows up and that's this is called what is the vague title of your paper so it's one of those naming things. So you are presenting at a graduate conference in the humanities, and you're gonna determine the vague title of your paper by following the following rules. Your first initial, let's start with James. Your first initial, James.
0: Um, J, redefining.
1: J is redefining, thank you, yes. Your last yes. initial.
0: Would be C, Clark.
1: Okay, redefining identity. And your birth month. In
0: new media. That's good. So what is all of it? I'm redefining identity in new media. (laughs) And then
1: for a prefix to your title, you can take the last text message you sent followed by a colon. (laughs) Oh, you don't want no, 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 no. It's probably like, fuck me till I fart.
0: Redefining. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wait, so Fenton, you would be.
1: Oh, okay. What would I be? I am the politics of, which is F. Uh, Bailey, The Politics of Bodies, um, July, in in an intersectional framework.
0: That's hysterical. Blake, you are reinterpreting uh, gender. What is your birthday? September. Reinterpreting gender is a form of erasure. (laughs) (laughs) And
2: my last um, text was, sorry, I can't talk right now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Sorry, I can't talk right now. Reinterpreting uh, fun.
1: Yeah, so we'll post this on the report because it's hours of endless fun, and none of them fell to this point. <laughs> okay, I
0: do just want to say point out that the resistor of the week, which we haven't been doing lately, but uh, the uh, New York District Attorney, or, uh, Attorney General just tr- is trying to dissolve the NRA, and good for them, God bless, and trying to get Wayne LaPierre ousted. So that's a good thing.
1: That is a good thing. Haven't they all been fired by um, Bill Barr? Isn't he firing all the district attorneys?
0: He can't. No, that's the thing because they, they aren't federal; they're state, and so um, they ha- he, Bill Barr has absolutely no say over what they do. So, they, so they're
1: the good guys. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, James and James. Thank you, Blake. Um, you can listen to previous episodes on our YouTube channel. Wow, and on Wow Presents. Um, same time, same place next week? Please, yes. Mm. Until then, go out and do something, wear a mask, socially distance, and make the world go. Wow. Wow.